Welcome everybody to Hollywood Godfather Podcast. And tonight, we really have Hollywood stars here, so it's really a Hollywood Godfather night. A guy that we all know, and uh, I've known him for many, many years, a great actor, great writer, Mr. Chaz Palminteri. What a pleasure. Pleasure to be here. And you, and you just came from a set. True actor. Yes. I love it. Yes. Could you I'm doing a, a series. I'm actually in two series right now. Godfather of Harlem and the new... Uh, uh, well, maybe I shouldn't say that. They want to make a big announcement. Yeah, I shouldn't oh. say that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. But I'm in Godfather of Harlem. And you're going to be writing and be probably in Hollywood Godfather, too. There's a lot of Godfathers. Yes. A lot of Godfathers out there. Well, good... Nobody had a life like you, my man. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, this, this is a slam dunk. It's easy to write for you. No, it's great. Thank you. I appreciate that. We've, we, we've known each other for so long. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. We've been wow. around the same place, the same people. That's true. And, and, and yeah, I know how tight you are with Bobby, so yes. that's funny. Yeah. But, Do you remember when you guys first met? Not really. Yeah. I just, I think it was in restaurants and clubs all over the place. Yes. And yes. premieres and movies and whatever. Absolutely. Screenings. Yeah. So many years ago. I think, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's... Um, Wow, that is a while ago, Johnny. That is. Wow. I'm really looking forward to it. I think your uh, your story is uh, is so unique and so different. You know, that's why when it, when they first approached me with it, I know you mentioned it to me, and then and what a, and what great writers you have. You know, George uh, Gallo and oh, yeah. Longo. I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> you three guys. I mean, you know, I, I, the people in the industry are starting to find out, and they're saying like. How did you get these three guys? I said, well, think about what they've done in the past. And right. that's why. I mean, why not go after them? It's like the... Exactly. It's, yeah, it's, I know. And all three of us were saying, we were talking one night, and we were saying, you know, usually when you have to write about somebody, you have to like, you know, we all have so, oh, so many great stories between all of us. But with you, we don't have to make up any stories. <laughs> you know? And uh, hopefully we'll have a, a five-year run because I have a lot of stories yet. <laughs> oh, my God. I just said, if I sit with you for 20 minutes, I come up with five screenplays, you know? That's right. <laughs> Thank you. It was amazing. Though. But, but to have Nick, you know, my, my history with Nick, I don't know if you know this, Chaz. I met Nick on the set of The Godfather. Right. Yes, he, he told was, me. He was one of the little kids. His father, Tony, worked for, you know, the same guy I did, Frank Costello. Yeah, and then, Tony Lip, yeah. Yeah, and so they uh, they moved him on, and then he came on the set. I didn't know that. He told me afterwards, you know, Johnny, I was on the set of Godfather. I said, kidding me. And, and uh, then, then he told me what was going on, and I remember when uh, Francis Ford Coppola called him over, and he said, let me tell you something. If I see your face in one more daily... <laughs> He yeah. says, just yeah. run around, dance, and stop looking at the camera. <laughs> he was he was ready for stardom at that young age. I love it. Yes, yes, he was. <laughs> He's such a great guy, though. My God, it's amazing. Yeah, a great guy and a wonderful writer, too. And great. And I was so happy for the success of his movie, Green Book. You know, it's a great story. Yeah, and he don't even know what I know today because I just got off the phone uh, with Milan and... Uh, Jules is over there, Jules Nassau, and they sold the package as a trilogy today throughout Italy. So wow. it's it's Nick's, um, Luciano, J uh, Jules is Gambino, 
and our Hollywood Godfather. They sold it as a trilogy. Oh, my God. And Nick don't even know it yet. They just told me. I'll let you tell them. Yeah, I, I, mean, I told them. I told the same thing because tomorrow they're meeting with Leo, Sergio Leone's kids and they're right. bring, bringing in another territory. I said, you should all do that because he's been working with you directly. I won't share it. And fortunately, he's not going to hear it from this because this don't go on until March. But anyway, uh, no, he's going to be so excited. We may not see him. He'll be over there forever. <laughs> Listen. That's not a bad place to be stuck, you know. Oh. I have a house in Italy, and so I love going there. Oh, you do where? Yeah, Santa Senio. It's about oh. 100 miles south of uh, Salerno. Okay. Yeah. It's in the mountains there. It's actually, actually, it's my wife's home, and we go there all the time, you know. Uh, that's what she's uh, from, you know, she's Napolitan. I'm full blooded Sicilian. Yeah. Well, I, I, have, I have 900 hectares there in farms. That's where really? my wine comes from. Yeah, from Puglia down to Grosseto. Wow. So I got about six houses over there. I have two families over there, actually, too. <laughs> two wives and kids. It's like crazy. <laughs> yeah, that, I love, I, you know, I, I love working there. I've done movies in Italy. I love it. I mean, it's a lot different than in the United States. Oh, my God, yeah. Right? I mean, I, working there, was, I did a movie for, uh, I played, uh, I played uh, Judge Giovanni Falcone. Oh, wow. Uh, in, I played him, the judge, you know, who got assassinated by right. the mafia. And uh, it was really something. I did this scene with uh, Anna Milieni, Milieni, Anna, not Anna Maliani, Anna Milieni. She's an actress there. And it was just like this little scene. And there was like 50 extras like all around us and they weren't even working. And I said to the director, I said, why are there 50 extras here? It's just her and I. And he looked at me and went, eh, you know. And I knew right away what he meant. <laughs> yeah, they, they want to be there. That's they got to work. You got to pay them. You know, we, that's, we that's, wanted to use this bar. And the, and the wise guy said, well, you can use it, but you got to pay these 50 guys. I know. It's crazy. crazy. No, I mean, I, I did a movie right after The Godfather. They brought me over for a guy called uh, Nat Washburger, who was a French theater owner. And he yeah. did, I, I did a movie called La Chatamont called The Punishment, and we shot it at Cheetah Chita, and I, I was working with Karen Schubert. I don't yeah. know if anybody remembered her. She made an acting debut with uh, in Bluebeard with Richard Burton. I never yeah. saw a woman that pretty in my life, and she was my co-star. I fell in love with her, <laughs> and she was <laughs> married to a stunt guy that almost killed me. <laughs> Because uh, over there, you don't fool around guys' wives. It was crazy. No. Oh, my God. You don't even say somebody's pretty over there. I know. Boy, it. it was crazy. No, that's right. But, uh, I mean, again, I can't tell you how happy I am in, in knowing, you know, what you do and the way you write. I mean, this team, everybody we say it to, it's, it's so amazing. I just can't wait to get going. And having Colin Wilson, he just can't wait for you to get the scripts now, he said. Yes. Guess, it's yes. going to well, be fun. But between the three of us, we can bang these out. We can bang these out real quick. Oh yeah, I know. That's all. Yeah. That's that's a great thing. So, um, in all the all the writings that you've done, I mean, obviously Bronxdale. I mean yeah. that that. I mean, whoever thought when you wrote that that look at that legacy. What's that been for you? Well, that's been you know, I wrote it. <laughs> I wrote that thirty years ago. And I wrote it after I got fired. I was working. I ran out of money. I was guest starring on some shows. Then I finally I ran out of that money. 
And I started working as the bouncer, as a doorman, because I used to box, you know? And I said, all right, I can handle myself. Let me get a job doing this, working. And I worked at a door in this club called uh, 2020 in Beverly Hills. Oh, wow, over there. Yeah, you remember, I worked there. I was in L.A., and I worked there. And uh, all of a sudden, one night, I was there for three months. I was supplementing my acting. And I was working there, for, I was working there and all of a sudden, this one guy comes over to me, Johnny, and he goes... And he goes, let me in right away. And he was really nasty to me. And I said, I said, excuse me, wait a minute, are you on the list? He goes, he goes, my, I'm not on the list. He goes, I, he goes, don't you know who I am? And when a guy says that to me, I always say, yeah, you're the guy who's not getting into me. That's the real asshole, you know? Right, I and love it. Finally, I wouldn't let him in. And then uh, he made such a fuss that the owner came out. He was yelling. The owner came out, and who was it? It was Swifty Lazar. Oh, my God. Man. Swifty Lazar was the biggest agent in the world. I know. He had his party every year, his Oscar yeah, party. That was his party, and I wasn't letting him in. Oh, my God. Oh, that's funny. Okay? And then he said, you'll be fired in 15 minutes. And you know what? I got fired in 15 minutes, just like he said. Oh, no, so he's he's that. He's like that. I, I have a similar story. I keep my boat in Spain, and I, I leave it at the Carlton Hotel all the time. And they, they rent it out. They get me like 30000 a week for it. And uh, I'm sitting there, and, and in small print, I'm allowed to board my boat if I'm there. Not to, you know, just to board it. It's my boat. And my crew runs it. And you'll love this story, Jess. <laughs> so I get on the boat, and there is, is Harvey Weinstein. Oh. And he comes over to me, and he says, uh, you're Johnny Russo. I said, yeah. He says, well, you're not on my list. I said, I know that. He said, well, get off my boat. I said, what'd you just say? He says, get off my boat. I said, no, I'm supposed to say that. He said, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, this is my boat. Now get off my boat. So he called the, the, the captain over, and the captain said, I'm sorry, Mr. Russo wants you off his boat. We threw him off, and he paid 18000 for the party. <laughs> uh, do I love that story? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I mean, see, yours worked out a lot better than mine. I got fired, and I went home, and I wrote... Uh, I started writing about Bronx Tale. That's how it all happened. But that's work. That's perfect. Well, I don't even know where 2020 was. I thought I knew every club in Beverly Hills. It was in the Beverly Center. No, not the Beverly Center. It was in... Yes. No, I'm sorry. It was in the Beverly Center, but right off uh, Century City Boulevard. Oh, wow. I, I yeah. never... What year was that? 1986. Oh, that's why. I was, I was yeah. away. I went, I went, I left the country for a while. 86. Yeah. You can't say I was away. That doesn't sound good. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> well, no, that's true. I wasn't in Carson. my friends go, I was away, I go, oh, okay. No, I was in, <laughs> not in Carson. No, you know what it is? I, I went, and well, Pat, you know, wrote the book. I went away a lot of times on vacation, really on a vacation, not in jail, because if I would have stayed, I would have been in jail. I that's wait right. for the subpoenas to go away. Yeah. But anyway. Well, it's crazy. I understand that. But yeah. the Bronx Tale, I mean, what a, I mean, that. that yeah. it, it's the first time anything ever went from a one-man show to a, a major movie to a Broadway musical. And the same guy who wrote it and started in all three. So it was pretty uh, crazy. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, Chance, if I could uh, interject. Here. Sure. First did the Bronx Tale off-Broadway, correct? Yeah, that was first done off-Broadway, uh, off yeah. 1980, 1990. Yeah, I saw that. It was, well, a tiny theater, it was a tiny theater on the west side. That's all yes. it was called. Yes, it was called uh, 
Playhouse ninety one. Yeah, first Street. Yeah, it was it was it was a great show, and it still sticks with me. I mean, how many years oh, ago? Well, thank was that? you. I still do it. I yeah. still do it till today. I'm doing it thirty years now. I haven't done it this year, last year because of COVID. But uh, all the dates that I had, they're all coming back this year. If anybody ever wants to go see it, all they have to do is go to chazpalmetary.net, and all my shows are on there. Or go to my Instagram. I yeah, that was a great theater, there. too. It, it was a great theater. It was small. I can reach out and touch you. I mean, it was... Yeah, uh, it was about uh, 300 seats. Yeah, yeah. That's correct. Like it was yesterday. Amazing. Yeah, well, thank you. Wow. Yeah. I well, saw the show on Broadway a couple years ago when Nick Cordero was in it. Oh, well, that was the, that was the musical. Yes. yes. Nick did it. Uh, I I did I really wanted somebody else to do it at that time, and I think Bob and I talked it over. And I thought it would be done better, you know, just with a younger guy. You know, I did the one man show, I did the movie, and Nick was absolutely amazing at it. God rest his soul, the poor guy. Yeah, right. Wow, yeah. He should have been. He should have got nominated for a Tony, and then when he left to do a movie, then I took over his role. Yes. That's wild. A great guy, great man, and it's hard to think about him being gone right now. He died. Yeah, really oh my sad. God, man. the way he died too. Besides Jesus. Oh yeah, he had God. it very rough. Yeah, yeah. And I told him when he called me, I said, "Listen, I don't like the way you sound. You you got to go to the hospital." He said, "I went there and they sent me home." And this is early on. Now this was like in March, April. You right, know? right. And I and I said, "Well, I I think he he was so young. That's him, why." And what happened was it just overtook him. And by the time he went back the second time, it, it was just too late. Wow. You know? I'm, I'm shocked his wife is not suing somebody for that. Because you know what? I, I, I don't know about that, uh, Johnny. I know that it was in the very beginning. They really didn't know. They didn't know what they were doing. At the same time. Yep. My wife was in the hospital 10 days. I almost lost my wife. Oh, wow. Oh, I didn't know. Gosh. Jesus. Yeah, I was very nervous. But she never went on a ventilator. And uh, she she came out after ten days, and now she's fine. God bless, thank, thank God. God. You know, because of you, uh, and, and when Pat and I we started get some accolades, and the the book was selling all over, I I put the book, I wrote the book as a one man show because of you. And uh, Mohegan Sun bought it for eight casinos. I happened to get it on uh, up in Mo, uh, Niagara Falls View on March seventh. Then I was supposed wow. to I was supposed to go to resorts. Fifteen hundred people sold out in two minutes. Not because I'm good, but the whole mafia up in Canada they right. they bought all the tickets and were scalping them. <laughs> That's fun. so. You were doing it as a one man show. I did it. I did it. Oh, fantastic! I wish I would have saw it. And, well, you you may see it. I got nine more dates. Fantastic! Nope. I'd love to see it. And what I did, I bought you know I bought a lot of the footage, like with Marilyn and some like it Hartman. I bought all that footage, so I laced it with it. So it was like you saw Sinatra and everybody that was in my life. I had all the footage. I have the footage of Sinatra at the Copacabana when I met him. I was wow. fourteen years old. He was doing a sound check. No, but I mean, uh, but I said, well, you know. Maybe I'll get lucky with this. And and uh, Tom Cantone, God bless this guy. He gave me a major contract, which yeah. is still in effect. You know. I know him. Yes, he's a terrific guy. Yeah, great guy. He speaks very highly of you, too. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Wow. And, and are you doing anything new now, or are you just going to? 
Well, uh, right now, um, yes, I'm writing. I'm writing two. Broad, I'm writing one Broadway musical, and I'm writing another uh, straight Broadway play for two people. Uh, and and I'm doing Godfather of Harlem. And uh, I'm on this other series that they're going to make a big announcement soon. But I better not say nothing because they want to make it. Oh so. yeah, yeah. How is the Godfather home? This is the second season, now, isn't it? This is the second season. It's really terrific. It's yeah. It's, I've been uh, watching. I'm with, I'm with Forrest Whitaker and Vincent D'Onofrio and Paul Savino. It's on uh, the Epic Channel. On the uh, Epic Channel, that's right. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think this year it might go to Netflix too. Yeah, I saw oh, the first great. season. Very good. Excellent yeah. show. Thank you. Thank you. Good. It is very good. I'm very proud of it. Yeah. Yes. Paul Savino, there, there's a character. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. my God. I love Paul. He's great. He's crazy. I mean, such an egotistical guy. He he was a guest in my house one time. I forgot what he was, what movie he was doing. And uh, I, I thought it was his house in an hour. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking about, Chaz. He just took over. It was like, man, let me tell you, he comes in the room, boy, you know he's there, pal. He, he don't stop. Singing. Oh, like, my you know, God, yeah. He's a very talented man. He could sing, he could sculpt, he could paint. I mean, right. He's, and, and he's a very interesting guy to talk to. He's a terrific guy. I really like him a lot. Good, good. No, but I mean, he's uh, and And then another good friend of ours, I just passed through, Danny Aiello. Oh, Danny. Um, and yeah. and he. It's funny you should say that you. He he was a doorman while he was a UPS guy. Yes. For Joe Denti, up at the Columbus right. Club. Oh. That's how long I know him. Jesus. Wow. He, that and, is a real long time. And Joe Pesci was a waiter. Wow. Did oh, you imagine that? He was a waiter for Joe Denti, and that's when he became a star. He basically went to California and, dro and drove Joe nuts because he had Joe rent Charo's house. He's right. having Sunday dinners, and he thinks he's going to organize Beverly Hills. Like <laughs> I was laughing. I kept getting phone calls from every, every Joe Cortese, every actor out there. You better come. I said, what do you mean better? The guys, I mean, well, you know, he, I said, I don't care who he is. And they didn't know what I was doing. I was I was a bigger earner than anybody in New York City for a different reason. So I was laughing. I shot two of his guys in, in Beverly Hills and got away with it. In fact, two of them two of them are in still still in prison. Oh, they, Joe's guys? Yeah, they came. They tried to take. He first of all, he took my table at uh, at Nikki Blair's. He wanted that table. So after two or three years. And for the, my audience who don't know, Nikki Blair's was the place to be in Absolutely. Beverly Hills. And so I knew Nikki 100 years because he, I met him on the set of Lepke because he and Tony Curtis drove out to Hollywood together. Right. And so, uh, and I played Albert Anastasia and Tony Curtis played Louis Lepke. So he was on the set every day. So a long story short, he said, Johnny, I know you're here three nights a week, but I got to give this guy this table. So I called New York. I said, who's this guy, Joe Dante? He's always around some people. That, but he made him sound like he was Don Cheech. I mean, the guy, you know, he was okay, but he wasn't of the, you know, higher excellent. But, and then he had these two kids bothering me. So I'm in a restaurant, and they come in the restaurant. I'm there with my grandmother, my wife, and uh, I'm, I'm very high-end family. And these two kids come and said, you know, Mr. Denty wants to see you now. I said, are you kidding me? I said, I'm having dinner with my family. Tell Mr. Denty, I'll call him tomorrow. 
He said, no, you're coming with us now. So now the maitre d' knew me. He said, you have a problem? I said, no, I'll handle it. So I said, Grandma, I'll be right back. Because I always carry. I had a, a CCW in Beverly Hills, New York. Yeah. I got them everywhere. So we're walking. It was a long corridor going out to the club. And I shot both of them without even taking the guns out of my pants. I shot them in the legs. <laughs> These two guys are crawling a cannon drive. <laughs> and they had my Bentley in front. So I told the driver, I said, here, this is for you. Call the cops on these guys. I call my, I call my wife's cell phone. I said, put grandma on the phone. I said, I'm going to have the cops come. She said, um, was those loud sounds come from you? I said, yeah, grandma, I just shot two guys. She said, I thought so. <laughs> my grandmother was married to the chief of detectives in San Francisco. Wow. We turned the whole thing around on them. Now I could say now that statues are gone. Yeah, it's gone, yeah. I said that they came to st snatch her, so I got them out of there and shot them. Wow. She filed the charges. These guys, <laughs> I don't even well, know where they are. Johnny. Huh? You were born lucky, man. Oh, I'm, I'm, I kidding. I've been shot, run over, stabbed, kidnapped them. I'm lucky. I'm, <laughs> I'm freaking so lucky. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And today's not over yet. Yeah, hello. Today's not over yet. You're right. And you know what's so funny, Chaz? Talking about yeah. luck. Two weeks later, Joe Denty has a heart attack in the house on a Sunday. Wow. Yeah, I remember that. Hello. He could. He even have a chance to have. He he called everybody in New York. We were supposed to both go back and straighten this out. He died. So a guy calls me. Says you don't have to come in. I said I didn't think so. <laughs> I remember him. He used to. He had a. He he was a boss of my neighborhood. You know. Right. Uh, Arthur Avenue. Yeah, of course. That's where he came from. Yeah. He was the boss there. Yeah, I remember. I used to see him on the corner. See him. See him near Piggy's grocery store. I remember. I remember him. Very well, he had a lot of money on the street. A yes, he money. did. Yeah. And then, yeah, see, did. what he was trying to do, and I, I hate, I mean, you mentioned some people's names that are still there, but, you know, he used to hold court in Cafe Roma like he thought he was in the neighborhood. Yeah. And they had cameras on the roof. They, had, I mean, they, they were filming this guy. He had about another month, and they were going to snatch him anyway. Yeah, that's the thing, some of these guys. They talk too much, and that's how you get in trouble, you know? Especially him. Oh, they don't want that in Beverly Hills at all. I mean, forget about it. That's the last thing they want. No, they don't want any of that. No. <laughs> no. Oh, Gianni, if I, could, if I could interrupt for just a moment, we definitely need to, need to slip a commercial in here. Right, you please. want to send us off? Chaz, excuse me one second. Right ahead. We'll be right back. we got to make some money, okay? Don't go anywhere. We know where you are. <laughs> okay. Today's show is being sponsored by Cordelione Fine Italian Food Products. This sponsor really means a lot to me. Cordelione Fine Italian has taken the heart and soul of the Godfather films and created a line of food products that include pasta sauce, balsamic vinegar from Modena, Italy, Genco extra virgin olive oil from Sicily. They created delicious pasta sauces, marinade, tomato basil, arrabbiato, and my favorite, Clemenza's meat sauce. You will be amazed. You will think your grandmother made the sauce herself. CorleoneFineItalian.com. That's CorleoneFineItalian.com. All right, we're back. 
So anyway, yeah, I am lucky, Jazz. Well, you know that, I think, by just some of the stories. Jesus. Yeah, no, I, I know, because I've been lucky myself, you know. Yeah. Well, you yeah, know what it is? We know guy. these people, and they take us out of context sometimes, and they talk stupid. I mean, right. treat me with respect. Not that, not me. You may not think I deserve it, but I want it. And nobody really knew my story until this book came out. I mean, that was so crazy. But I was moving cash, and that's all they cared about. They don't care who you knew, whatever. I was never a tough guy, a wise guy. I found a way to buy these markers and move all this money out of Vegas. They weren't touching me at all. Let them go, and I nobody knew this. And then you know. It got crazy, and here I am. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> Worked out okay. Oh, yeah. I would how think did so. You get, I, I, and I know you must have said a hundred times, so I don't want you to get bored by it, but how did you get the part in The Godfather? Well, that was a bigger problem because I wanted to, my ego, I had somebody read me the story. And I said, I want to do this. So then I read in the newspaper, Joe Colombo's picking the FBI building, and the guys in the neighborhood were really mad. They already called them in once saying, Joe, you know, this is a secret organization. What are you doing? <laughs> so I, I was very close to O'Neill and, and Mr. Gambino for years because right. my, my, my cousin sent Gambino here out of Sicily, Angelo Russo. He was a boss there. And right. so with that said, oh, you know how I got out of Bellevue, right? No. Oh, I, from the book. Yeah. When I got out of Bellevue, I killed that guy. I was 12. So when I went back to the neighborhood, they called me into the club right away, and they said, well, the apple didn't fall far from the tree. I said, wait a minute, I had nothing to do with that. The guy was a pedophile, but they didn't know anything about pedophiles or anything. The hospital just wanted to get me out of there. I was there five years straight. Then all of a sudden this happened. They put me in a ward upstairs for 72 hours in the nut house, and they let me go. So wow. now I had a reputation I didn't even deserve. <laughs> Jesus. And that's how it happened. Then I wanted to be an actor, and I figured, let me, let me go see Joe Colombo. I knew where he was. And, and, and he just hired a young lawyer, Barry Schlotnick, to represent him. So I said, Joe, I said, you know, you're missing a great opportunity to make money here. And you know, you know them, Chaz. How can he make money? Let me hear. So I said, listen, yeah. why don't you have Barry read the book? What you don't like in the book, if they change it, cooperate with them. And we, we now I said we because I had his attention. We can make a lot of money. He said, how are you going to do that? I said, well, if you let it go, you're going to ask for all the premieres in every major city the night before the movie opens in the theaters. We can get $100, $150 a ticket in every major city. So we looked at Barry. He said, Barry, think that could happen? He said, I don't know. He says, Johnny, you think you can get it on? I said, give me permission to go talk for you. So I left the, the office of the league, was on Madison Avenue. I walked up to 57th Street, which is now Trump Tower, was the Gulf and Western building. So Bobby, you know, everybody was there. So I went to see, you know, Gray Fredrickson there. Um, you name it, Bobby Evans, everybody was there. So yeah. I asked to go up to see them. So they said... And who were you? I said, well, I just left Joe Colombo. He has a message for you. They said, who'd you leave? I said, Joe Colombo. Because <laughs> he was bothering him, you know. And they already yeah. stole the Cinemobile. I don't know if you remember that. They, they were doing uh, camera checks 
on Mulberry Street. They went into Angelo's. They stole the Cinemobile with about a million dollars worth of camera equipment on it. So they knew that they were going to make this movie here. And then I said, you know, he wants to talk to you. He said, Joe Colombo wants to talk to us. I said, yeah, that's what I'm here for. He said, when could you bring him here? I said, when do you want him? 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. So I did. I went down. I said, Joe, he thought I did this big manipulation. I did nothing. That's all I did. So I went down there. I said, Joe, do me a favor, though. Tomorrow, when you bring uh, Barry with us, get Butter Ash to Chico. It was Frankie Boyd to Chico's uncle. And even Lanny Montana was collecting for the Colombo family. He was a wrestler. That's when they first saw him to play Luco Brazzi. So we went into this office with Stanley Jaffe, all these guys, and we got it straightened out. So they're all shaking hands, and I told Joe, I said, Joe, what about me? So he raises his hand like the Lord, and they all sit down. He's, what are you going to do for my boy here? So Al Ruddy said, oh, we'll, we'll give him a part. I said, excuse me, I don't want a part. I put this thing together. Either I play Michael, Sonny, or Carlo. So they said Michael's already been cast. James Kahn is playing Michael. And they had Carmine Caridi playing Sonny. That's correct. And so I said, who's playing Carlo? They said, nobody yet. So I said, Joe, I want to play Carlo. So he said to them, he's playing Carlo. That's how I got the part. That was it. <laughs> wow. And that was it. That's amazing. No, it's, and that's 46 films later. There you are. But, you know, it's crazy times. But talk about luck. I mean, that's all I got is luck. Well, you were good in it, bud. You know, you were very good in it. Well, Brando, Brando coached me every day. When he was with Dick Smith becoming Marlon Brand, I mean, uh, Don Corleone, that yeah. was two and a half hours of makeup. Right. In fact, he came on the set the day I had to do the scene with Pacino. And everybody was saying, uh, you know, I could hear them. Number one's on the set. Who, who screwed up on the call sheet? And, and Brando, you know, knew what they were doing. He says, nobody screwed up. I'm here to help this kid. And he, he coached me through the whole scene. Wow, that's fantastic. And Pacino was like saying, how did you get this guy to come here? <laughs> because even when he handed me the airline ticket, he's, what are you going to do when he hands you the airline tickets? I don't know. At the end of the movie, yeah. He's, I want you to look down, make sure there's a ticket in there, make sure, you know what I mean? You got you to gotta project that you don't know you're dying. You already read the script. You know you're going through the windshield. Right. But if you don't show the fear and right. hope and try to convince your brother-in-law to save your life, this ain't going to work. And this is the climax of the movie. Right. And he was there every day with me. That's great. What is the line they always tell you, Johnny? The line I always hear about you is they go, you got to answer for team. I know, answer. I know. <laughs> That's the line I always hear. In the street, I always hear that. You got to answer for something. I know. I have truck drivers <laughs> yelling that line, or I'm like at night the garbage collectors, four or five o'clock in the morning. Hello, Carlo. And I said, oh my <laughs> gosh, I forget about it. <laughs> but thank God. That line saved my life with Pablo Escobar, though. He really? loved that film. They were about to kill me. They slit my throat already. And that was it. Then he found out I was in the movie, and they cleaned me up, took me to his house, and I became friends with him. <laughs> it's nuts. Another fan. Yeah, another fan. Another fan. That's why, I mean, you, the way you write with these stories, forget about it. This is going to be so much fun. 
Oh, yeah. You know, the idea is to write with humor, but heart, but real, and not make it like, you know, sometimes I'll read a script that's written by some guy from Orange County, you know? Oh, yeah. Go, nobody, nobody real wrote this. They wrote this from watching other mafia movies, trying to think what this is. It's, this is not real. You could tell when something's real. Right. You know? And I told somebody, I just did an interview the other day. They said, how did you get these writers? I said, first of all, I know all these writers smell of oil and garlic. That's all I wanted. <laughs> he didn't get it. He didn't even get that. He didn't know what I was talking about. You, like you just said, I can't get some Irish guy writing this movie. What, are you crazy? No, no, you can't. A, a classic story Nick will share with you where, with David Gersh because he is represented by Gersh and so is Colin Wilson. So David Gersh, you know, I never had an agent. So I'm, I'm up his office and he, he loved the whole the property and all that. He's, I got an idea. I could finance this whole movie. I said, great, what's your idea? He says, I want Vince Vaughn, he's my, one of my clients, Vince Vaughn can play you. I said, are you on fucking drugs? I said it just like that. Vince Vaughn's gonna play me? Well, you know, he's, he's, he's very funny and he's very talented, but I, I don't think he's right for you. No, no I mean, I'll, he's, he's a big right. guy. He's not, I, I, don't, I, I think I'm charming, you know. I think, you know, yeah. you gotta get a guy that's, he's, he's just too obvious. Right. But anyway, yes. but here we are. We're done. To, I mean, we, what we've got done, and this team is amazing who we have. It's crazy. And I, crazy. Really, I but, mean, you were the icing on the cake. Yeah, well, when, you know, it was it was kind of an easy thing. You know, when, after like uh, looking at the book and, and, and knowing uh, Nick and, and George, we, we just kept telling stories with each other. We said, we can have fun with this, man. Oh yeah! Oh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's got to be, and uh, and hopefully, if, you know, if we get the right ratings, they're, they're talking about a long run because there's some. We got 110 hours of these podcasts, so and they're listening to them. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm actually, you know, I'm actually starting my my podcast that launches February 15th. So I'm looking forward to it myself. It's fun. I tell you, it's a lot of fun. It's a great release. You get yeah. a great guest. And uh, now we're we're starting to make money too. That, which, oh, that's know. good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I got I got to pay Pat and you know the, this, my my millennium. She's uh, this kid's is such an asset, and as <laughs> Pat was, I mean, to find somebody to write this book, and right, and, and right, do the job course. he did on it, it's amazing. Wow. But, uh, so where do you live now, Johnny? I I the, where I live, and you have to come. I walked into this building. I was thirteen years of age, and. Uh, Frank Costello owned it with Robert Stone, and I was I was still a gimp. My whole left side of my body was deformed yet, and that's why he used me. And I was just a runner picking up numbers and slips. And this was a, a betting den. My bedroom had twenty four phone writers in it, and uh, it's twenty two hundred square feet. This apartment. Is it in Manhattan? Sixty first Street. <laughs> You know, you know, the amazing thing about this guy, you, is that it's never like an easy story. So where do you live, John? <laughs> oh, well, I live in Manhattan. No, well, let's see. I was 13. And it's, like, <laughs> it's like another screenplay. I know. It's so crazy. No, but so when he died, I used to go to his lawyer's office all the time. And when he died, the lawyer called me. I said, oh, it must be unfinished business. I go there. He gives me an envelope. And I took him all the time and left. He says, why don't you open that up now? I said, I was going to open it later. He said, I want, to, I want to explain something to you. So he left me six apartments here. 
So I have like A, B, C, and D. I mean, the my, Megan and all them know. I have my houseboy living in A. I got my whole crew here, and I took two and made one out of it. And, uh, you know, my dining room sits 16. You know, I got a lot of kids. So uh, I have 10 <laughs> grandsons now, nine sons and two daughters. I got 21 kids without their siblings. So I got to have a big place. But it's fun. <laughs> What counts? You got to come for dinner. I mean, I you, you'll love this place. I mean, it's insane. Oh, I, I will. I know I will. It's Are you kidding me? 1923. <laughs> I got an eight stool bar and a dance floor and a mirrored ball. I got a club here too. So, wow. So I don't, I don't go out. Everybody comes here. Yeah, well, it's a nice place to be quarantined, if you know what I mean. Oh yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> and then every other day, I walk down three blocks. I'm in Central Park. I do my miles, I have my distance stick, and I come home. So I'm staying in shape and uh, yeah. keeping in the neighborhood. I love That's it. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, Chaz, one thing that I want to ask you before we go. Um, sure. So I know you grew up in the Belmont section of the Bronx. Yes. Um, and I actually went to Fordham. Oh. And lived, I've lived on Hughes Avenue, um, Hoffman Street, Belmont. And I was wondering, are you familiar with the mural of you that's on Hughes, yes, like pointing the way to, to Arthur Ave? Yes, I am. I was of course. Very flattered. That's they, a great tribute, asked, man. They asked me to do that. They, they asked me to, if it would be all right if I said, absolutely. I was very honored by that. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's I love huge. that neighborhood. I go there once a month. I go shopping there. I go to, you know, Jerome's Pastry and uh, uh, Casa Mozzarella, Mike's Deli. I go to oh, yeah, Mike. Mike. I love Mike. Oh, yeah. When you do that, I want to go. They keep asking me. I'd rather go with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's fun. I'll, I'll meet you there. Well, both of us, uh, I'm sure we'll tear it up a little bit. Oh, hello. Uh, Ford, that, Ford that, a great school. Not only you're beautiful, you're smart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, no, she is. That. She has to be smart to go there. They wouldn't let me in for them. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go to Roosevelt. I went to Roosevelt. Oh, my that's gosh. Funny. That's too funny. That's funny. Well, that mural, I passed by it every day for... Basically, as long as it's been up, so yeah, it's funny. You know, I'm very proud of that. They're very great people there. I love that neighborhood. Well, you're going to be seeing a lot of her because she's doing the EPK package on, on our the whole shoot. All right, because that's what I want I'll to. I want to advance her on to have our own career. Oh, it's a fabulous, fabulous family. I met the whole family in church two years ago, and I'm saying, look at this family. Five people. They're all holding hands and praying. I could get one kid and come to church with me. I'm there by myself. <laughs> and that was it. Since that day, she's been with me. Well, I'm happy to be here. No. Well, yeah, Chaz, I we... Wife, I met my wife in church, in fact. I that, did. That's a good I, place I to meet a lady. I, saw her. I shouldn't say I met her. I saw her in church. We saw each other. And then a week later, I, I ran it. I walked into a club and I, we bumped into each other. And there she... And I said, oh, my God, I saw you Sunday. She goes, yeah, I remember you. I saw you Sunday, and uh, we've been together now thirty years. So wow, God bless. Yeah. I don't, th I don't think I have one wife that I've been. I know thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been married forty years, but to five different women, you say. No, no, eleven. Eleven. <laughs> God, I yeah, get, he doesn't I, date, Chaz. Yeah. He just gets married. No, no. I, yeah, I, I, well, I, listen, I, you know, he's got to be sure, you know. Hey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, what a pleasure having you, man. Thank you oh, so much. Thanks, Thank you. I'm looking so right, forward to well. our future together, and I just know it's going to be unbelievable. Thanks and, so much. And I appreciate Thank it. Believe me. 
I love your work now. Yeah. We're working together, it's like a dream come true for me. So Yes. Thank you so much, Johnny. It's going to be wonderful. Thank you to everyone there. It's a pleasure meeting everyone. And uh, hey, hope thank to you see for you being soon. on the show. All right, please. Thank, thank you. you so much, Jess. All right, please. All right. God Bye. bless. Stay safe. Bye. Yeah. Thanks. That's Bye-bye. more important. All right. Let's do a commercial, and then we'll go to mailbag. We'll be right back. Hi. Patrick Picciarelli here. Before we get to our listeners' emails, a quick word about the new fiction book series I've launched. Private investigator Ray Yale tackles his first two cases in Bloodshot Eyes and The Pop Line. Both books are in paperback and are available on Amazon.com. I've been a PI for 30 years, and these books are based on my cases. Enjoy. All right, it's time for the mailbag. I love this part of the show. I love the whole show, but this part is when our fans, our listeners, tell us what's going on and what's on their mind, which is very important because we want to know because we want to keep pleasing you and do another 100 hours. So let's get to the mailbag. All right, let's get to it. First, we have a message from Gary from Watford, England. Gary says, hi, guys, really love the show, and I have a question for Gianni, please. Did the mob ever manage to get a foothold in the UK? I heard they tried to partner Ronnie and Reggie Cray, two London gangsters in the 60s, but thought that they were too volatile and didn't have the right business acumen. Am I saying that word right? I've never seen this word before. Okay. Was that correct? It definitely was. I met them, too. In fact, uh, he, he, he may be too young. There was a club we used to go to a lot. In fact, uh, Humphrey Bogart, not Humphrey Bogart, George Raft. George Raft was the host, and uh, the Craig brothers had a nice thing going on over there. So I don't know if they call that the mob, but they were definitely associated with some friends of ours. And uh, they did really well also. And they, they brought uh, my friend over there and... Uh, we hung out there a long time. We were at Annabelle's, all those places. And there was a place there that uh, Johnny Tramp, called Tramps, was an amazing club. And then I met this Stringfellow, Peter Stringfellow and his daughter. They, I mean, London, I, I had a, a house on 14 Eaton Square, you know. Excuse me. And, and my, my <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and my son, uh, Demetria, his mother is, lives in London. And he lives now in Coco Chanel's apartment in Paris, France. He's 28. But um, no, I had a lot of fun. In fact, I went over there with Mr. Chow and Tina Chow to open Chow's. I spent a lot of time in London now that I'm thinking about it. I love London. And and we have very good friends there. Great. Moving on. All right. Next is from Vicky. Vicky says, hello, I love your work. I have a question for Gianni. Sir, I once met you in Little Italy in 2014 at the SG Festival. What a presence you had. My question for you is, besides the famous gunning down of Joey Gatto in Umberto's, do you have any stories you can share at Umberto's? I loved Umberto's. Other than that, I mean, uh, they made it famous because of him. And, uh, I mean, I could tell you a story on every corner, but I'm I'm not allowed to. No, I mean, and, and, and the SG, I'm sure, is St. Gennaro for these people yeah. that we're not so happy. SG. Now, St. Gennaro Festa is 100 years old this year, actually. 
Or was it already? I think I sang at the 100 year. I mean, I, I went to 83 of those. Wow. Figure that out. Now, I just see if you're listening. I'm only 78. She says, well, I said 83. I went to. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they did a couple one year. I don't know. No, 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 no. <laughs> anyway. No, but, um, All right. Next is from Ben. Hi, guys. I can't get enough of the podcast. After listening to the audiobook, I wanted to find out more of Gianni's life and found the podcast. After listening to the book and the podcast, I can't wait to find out more. I do have a question for Gianni, though. Out of Brando, Sinatra, and Costello, whose death had the b- biggest impact slash effect on your life, which hit you the hardest? Looking forward to the t- TV series of the book and your second book. Keep up the great work. You know, and, and the way he the way he asked that in, in order, obviously Costello was my first big loss. Then Marlon Brando, which because Michael Jackson and Elizabeth Taylor convinced him to go in and get a bypass. He was like 380 pounds. That was a tremendous loss. And just recently, because Pat and I are writing our new book called Sinatra and Me, and this week, it's ironic that he asked this question. Pat knows where I'm going with this. I sat in a church after the rosary at Good Shepherd Church in Beverly Hills because Barbara... Sinatra hated me because I knew of her past. So I was banned from the funeral, and so was my son, Luciano. And I knew the Monsignor, so after everybody left, I sat in that church with my hand on the coffin. was closed, but Frank was in it. They didn't move it because the next morning was the Mass. And you would think I was nuts. I, I talked to this guy for about two hours just reminiscing of all the th- crazy things we did and how much I'm going to miss them. And I don't know how, I, how long I cried there. But uh, those three men he picked, I mean, they all had a such a profound loss to me at each, each stage of it. But uh, Sinatra, I think that would be the last guy that I have that kind of feeling for. I don't know a human being. I mean, other than Pat, if he should die, or I'll feel bad. But... Uh, I think I'll yeah. go before Pat, but uh, those great. three guys, th- those th- <laughs> we got some time before then. Yeah. <laughs> no, but th- those three guys, I mean, they changed my life in three different areas, three different ways. But great question. Yeah. All right. Next is from Brian. Brian says, "Hi, my message is for Dr. Jay Adams. Oh, I mean Gianni. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Did I save his <laughs> grandmother's <laughs> life? <laughs> Isn't that Possibly. Horrific? That's funny. First, let me start by saying it's an absolute pleasure to be able to message you. I've listened to your audiobook several times, and I love all of your personal insight into such great historical events. My question is, in your opinion, why do you think Atlanta never had its own mafia family established? I know several families are active in Atlanta. I've met some Gambinos operating down here in the early 2000s, but I'm curious as to why do you think Atlanta never had its own family? Florida had Traficante, and New Orleans had Marcello. Was there just not a large enough population of Italians here when the families were being established? Thank you for everything that you guys do. I'll continue to listen to every podcast and can't wait to see your story on the big screen. No, because the pizza sucks down there. (laughs) (laughs) Simple answer. Really bad. No, but I mean, uh, to answer that question, it's not, you know, there's certain areas that you really can only earn so much and there's not enough room for people. 
So they, they, they divided Atlanta when they started building, rebuilding it 20 years ago. But Santo Trovacante was wired, you know, with some very heavy people and through Cuba. And uh, so, and, and then Florida was open to like every family in the country. I mean, I used to go to Fontainebleau for the last week of January and the first week of February while Sinatra was in the Laurent room doing two shows a night. And in the lobby of the Fontainebleau, every night, there was mob families from everywhere in the world. But that was a neutral place also, like Las Vegas was. You could say Vegas didn't have a family. Las Vegas had every family. So did Miami. So did Atlanta. That's what you're not realizing. They're all operating under a treaty. No, they, you don't solve any problems there. We just make money there. So Atlanta has a family, believe me. All right, next one is from Michael. Michael has a little message for each of us in here. He says, hi, Patrick. I'm a librarian slash manager in Vegas. We got Undercover Cop and Street Warrior in our li- in our libraries. I'm oh, wow. working to get your other ones, too. Oh, thank you. That's and he nice. says, Megan, you're fantastic. This podcast wouldn't be the same without you. And even when your star gets brighter, I hope you still stay with this. Well, thank you I very much. I hope so, too. That's yeah. extremely kind. We'll, we'll make... Our schedule come to when hers when she's a big star, she's got to give us an hour or two hours a week. We'll sync them up. <laughs> no, but Michael, thank you. That's that's very sweet. That is very nice. And then he goes on to say, Gianni, I just wanted to give you this note that with your upcoming book about Sinatra, when it comes out on audiobook slash e audio, please, please, please be the one that reads the book and not a paid narrator. One of the reasons why I loved listening to Hollywood Godfather so much is because you were the narrator. It was so much more authentic that way. It was like listening to a movie with you narrating it. Oh, you mean so read, me reading the book? Yes, the yeah. audiobook. Oh, yeah. So please keep that in mind. I have a feeling I'm not alone in this sentiment. All best to you three. Thank you. Well, I fought to do that. McMillan didn't want me to do it. And they had a budget of like $3,000. I said, I'll do it. They said, it's going to take you a month every day. I said, I'll do it. It's my book. I sat there four hours a day for a month. 20, 20 days straight, because my, my going rate is a little higher than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know people love people love that. Well, I like loved it, too. Yourself. It was a, good to do. All right. Last one for tonight is from Tom. Tom says, I'm reading a biography about Jackie Gleason, and in the book they bring up the Toots Shore restaurant oh as one God, of his yeah. favorite spots to hang out and hold court. Yeah. It mentions that Frank Costello frequented the restaurant as well. Did you ever go there with him or by yourself? If so, do you have any good stories involving the great one or any other celebrities? I enjoyed your book immensely and love listening to your podcast. Great job by all three of you, and I wish you continued success. In fact, we're writing about that in our book because there was one party in 1957. Then it was for Tutshaw because he used to go broke all the time. I used to go to Tutshaw's every day. Because that was one of my stops where they, they bet numbers and horses. And, and Costello was there every day, like so many people. I met uh, Frank Gifford there when he was playing for the Giants. I mean, Joe DiMaggio, everybody came there. Marilyn used to sit at the bar there. But Toots was a degenerate gambler. So they were giving him a major, major fundraiser at the Copacabana. That is a big part of our, what is that, the third or fourth chapter, Pat? That we're writing yeah, that in chapter three. Uh, chapter. You know, when somebody said, well, who was there? Well, everybody was there. 
Yeah, in this case, everybody really was there. It was crazy, man. It was a uh, who's who of uh, celebrities, gangsters, you name it, they were there. And, and from all over the country, Yeah, too. The gangsters and the celebrities. Yeah. That was a great question. But you're going to love this book. If uh, I mean... I mean, touch your, that's, I, in fact, uh, for all our audience, there is a, um, a, a documentary out, been out for a while, called Toots. His granddaughter did it, and I have a big part in it, because uh, unbeknownst to a lot of people, I lent him $3 million to rebuild the new Toots on 52nd Street, and uh, he almost got indicted for that, and they came to me and wanted to know where I got the money. And when they gave me the indictment, I said, I can't accept this. They said, why not? I said, first of all, if you proceed with this, my family's going to sue you. They said, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I said, well, in the eyes of the court, I'm an infant. They said, why? I said, well, I'm only 19 years old. <laughs> and they, I beat the indictment on that alone. <laughs> They had to serve my family in New York. Oh, boy. But anyway, just another fun little tidbit. Yes. Of course. But get, get that documentary called Toots. I even say it in there. She knew that I lent them the three million. But it was the mob money. I was Costello's money. And the idea was we we're going to give him three. He only got two, but he owed us three. We kept the one. So he got caught coming off the off the a ship with his whole family. He was gone like six weeks. And the FBI was there, and they said, okay, we went through all your records. You're missing a million dollars. So, Because they were trying to get Costello and us for, not me, but just Costello. And he said to me, what are you talking about? He said, you got $3 million. There's only two that we can track. Where's the other million? He said, I just took my family to Europe for six weeks. You think that's not expensive? And he walked away. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> that's a great touch story. That's, but that's him. He's crazy. That's great. Good questions tonight. Wow. Yeah, very good. Yeah. yeah they're getting better. The audience they is getting better. Coming. We're getting better. Everybody's getting, we're getting to be vintage radio people, podcast <laughs> people. All right. I guess it's time to say goodnight. It is. We'll see you. Next Wednesday, new show. And please, keep the cards and letters coming, the reviews coming, telling your friends. We're expanding our audience, and I guess it's all about you. Without you, we'd be talking to ourselves. So until next week, wear a mask, stay healthy, and good night, Pat. Good night, Megan. Good night, everybody. God good bless. If you're feeling sad and lonely, there's a service I could render. I'm the one who loves you only. I could be so warm, so tender. Call me. Don't be afraid, you can call me. Maybe it's late, but just call me. Tell me and I'll be wrong. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo, Patrick Picciarelli, or myself with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038.
Regarding Gianni's motivational speaking appearances, you can visit his website, giannirusso.com. You can also visit amazon.com for a listing of books Patrick Picciarelli has written. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather Podcast, as well as leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your emails and voicemails. Good night. Welcome to Feinstein's. I love being here, man. It's so much fun all the time.